Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. So, shock horror. Today I'm going to take us back about 100 years. Um, of course. Yep. So I am going to tell you the story of Albert Edward Burroughs. So, Caitlin, have you heard of this one? Shockingly, I've not heard of this one, Samantha. Me neither, me neither. But I never hear about half the cases you do. So, Yeah, well, I don't know how you managed to find yours so easily. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> um, I've actually taken us back down south again. So we're in England. And Shock. I know, I know. But also, apologies if I pronounce any of the places incorrectly. Because I can hardly pronounce the ones in Edinburgh. Never mind anywhere else. England <laughs> yeah <laughs> well try I've seen some w- Welsh ones and I'm like no I can't do that case it's really good but no yeah many but L's no and way am I telling them that one <laughs> yeah definitely anyway I'll get to the point so Albert Edward Burroughs was born in Cheadle Hume in 1871 he worked in labour and jobs and had a criminal record for horse stealing larceny no chance which... sorry mm. <laughs> oh sorry um, Anyway, larceny, which is non-violent theft, assault and cruelty to animals. Now, in 1914, he was living in a back-to-back house in Back Kershaw Street, Glossop, with his wife and daughter. A back-to-back house is literally a back-to-back house. They're connected to each other. Because I didn't know that. I had to Google it, just in case. No, I didn't. didn't So, like, lips, I I feel like I'm being stupid, but, like, connected from the back. Yeah, so they share a back wall. And it was kind of, they were all kind of thrown up, well, not thrown up like nowadays, but, you know, put up in Victorian Britain because the population was just getting crazy. So, literally, okay, a back-to-back house. Now, during World War One, he obtained well-paid employment in an ammunition factory in Norwich, and while there, became involved with a younger woman called Hannah Calladine. Also, apologies if I pronounce her name wrong. Now, this relationship (laughs) led to a child being born in October 1918, who was also called Albert Edward Burroughs. Nice and original. Now, on the 27th of May that year, he bigamously married Hannah after telling her that he was a widower with a child who had been looked after by a housekeeper in Glossop. So now, technically, he's married to two people. He is yeah, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like that was like a thing back then that was really easy to do, whereas now it's obviously like not as easy. Yeah, too many documents to fill out, depending on, you know, your religion. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> when he was employed at the ammunition factory, Burroughs sent money to both wives, but with the end of hostilities, jobs were hard to come by. So, Burroughs was unable to keep up his payments because, you know, he's not just got one payment, he's got two. So Hannah began to suspect that she was not legally married and she wrote to Burroughs' daughter in Glossop. Stop it. Mm -hmm. So his marriage was soon exposed and he received a six-month jail sentence in Walton Prison. So, you know, he paid the price for that one. That's actually, yeah, and I actually wasn't 100% sure if it was illegal back then, so that's good to know that it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
Now, on leaving prison, he returned to live with his wife and daughter. So, you know, the first wife and daughter. Yeah, sorry, I was about to ask what one. That's good. Yeah. So, Hannah... went back to the first one. I know. It must be... Oh, anyway. <laughs> Hannah took out an affiliation order against him, which he could not pay. So, as a result of the payment arrears building up, she obtained a committal order and he received a 21-day sentence in Shrewsbury Prison. Coming out Jeez. at the end of November. So he's in and out of prison because of these wives. Yeah, wow. You know, totally not worth it, Burroughs, but, you know, hey-ho. So he was in quite a tight corner. He had no money. He had no job. And either woman could enforce payment from him. And also, you know, back then, it's not like they could easily kind of go out and work as much as we can nowadays. So they, their hands were kind of tied. Yeah, yeah, of course. And if he fa- failed to pay up, he would be sent back to prison. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Now, He's actually got a room there by this point. Exactly. It's got his name on it. Now, Burroughs had kept in contact with Hannah, writing to her several times. And on leaving prison, he visited her. Now, in December, she told her parents in Renbury, which was near Nantwich, that she was going to live with Burroughs in Glossop. Okay. And she right. took young Albert. And an older, illegitimate daughter called Elsie Large with her. So she was going away to live with Burroughs. Now, ha- Hannah's elderly parents, she tried, they tried to dissuade her, obviously. But she arrived on Burroughs' Burroughs' doorstep together <laughs> with both children on the night of the 19th of December, 1919. Burroughs took her in, despite his wife's protests, which, you know, you would protest, saying that she could hardly be... Oh, can you sick. imagine, like, just sat there with your partner and the next minute there's a knock on the door and he's like, oh, the other missus is arrived. Yeah, oh, her and her two kids, come on, they've got to live with us now. <laughs> um, and he, all he said to his wife was like, oh, well, I can hardly send her back. It's, you know, such a night, mind, it's December the 19th, it's the, tr- the weather's going to be awful. So, I mean, he has got a point, but, like, she shouldn't be there in the first place. Exactly. Maybe don't invite her up next time. But his wife, his first wife, left the next day and Hannah stayed for three weeks. Good on the the wife that left. Like, fair enough. At least that woman's actually like, nah. Hold on. She's like, I'm not taking the mick of me. (laughs) Now, Burroughs' wife was suing him for maintenance and he was behind with the rent. So, you know, she was like, I am getting you for everything you have or don't have. The jail's like, ding dong, come back. (laughs) But unfortunately for her, he had solved his problems by the time he appeared in court on the 12th of January, 1920. So he told the justices that Hannah and the children had gone. At first, Mrs Burroughs refused to return, but four days later, she relented. Burroughs having told her that Hannah had obtained a good job in Seymour Meads, which is in Manchester, and that the children were staying in a creche during the day. On the day after yeah. Hannah and her son were last seen, Burroughs was seen walking down Holland Cross Lane at six o'clock in the morning with Elsie Large. So that's the illegitimate daughter. Yeah, okay. Of Hannah's, not Burroughs. Right, okay. A couple of hours later, he was alone. A neighbour 
who inquired as to his whereabouts of the child, received a reply saying that he was taking Elsie to her mother. It's said that the neighbour asked where the mother had gone, but Burroughs said that he wasn't telling anyone and that they had both decided to keep it a secret. That's a bit of a red flag. Oh, that's suspicious. Mm-hmm. That's now, a bit weird. <laughs> what really happened, I'll tell you guys, but no one else knows at this point, apart from All right, Burroughs, I, okay? I honestly thought you were going to say, but no one else knows. I was like, <laughs> right, it's not a complete secret. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I have an inside source. <laughs> no, I don't have any of that. Now, on the 11th of January, 1920, so that's the day before he had to go to court, mind, and try and pay his wife, but he got away with it. Burroughs took Hannah and their son for a day out on Simondley Moor. He then murdered them and threw their bodies down a mine shaft. Oh, oh, okay. As you do. The following day, he disposed of Hannah's daughter in the exact same way. And like I said, after the court, he patched things up with his wife and they returned living together. Now, for the next three years, three years, Burroughs wrote to Hannah's mother, pretending that she was still alive. God, I hate that. I never get why they do it. Like, I just don't. I know, I get why they do it, but at the same time, I hate that they do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just, oh, it just gets, it's one of those things that I'm just like, that gives me the creeps. Like, how many people, like, does that happen to? Like, even now, how many people think there are that their families are in contact with them, so they think everything's okay, but it's not even them. Ah, I hate it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. Um, but Burroughs does not agree with you, Caitlin. Now, <laughs> yeah, true. He's like, thanks for the advice. But I'm, gonna but I'm not taking it. <laughs> now, Hannah, so she was allegedly working in Manchester, but we all know different. Burroughs destroyed or sold her few belongings, and he even sold her wedding ring. Oh. So life was back to normal for Burroughs and his wife. Sort of. I'm sure she wasn't that happy. But I'll just jump forward three years to the 9th of March 20... Nope, it's not 2023 because that would be the future. I was like, whoa, like we've gone <laughs> soaring. <laughs> Only three years to 1923 when there were big headlines in the local newspaper. Glossop okay. mystery. Tragic disappearance of four-year-old boy so this okay. you know hannah and everyone no one's talking about them now we are three years in the future this is now all about a missing four-year-old boy now they are connected okay. so stay with me right. as always it's a missing boy so a sensation had been caused by the disappearance of a child little tommy wood who lived okay. across the road from burrows Little Tommy had left home around 11 o'clock on the previous Sunday morning and had not been seen since. When he failed to return, his parents were not concerned because he usually went to his grandmother's for Sunday dinner. Now, can we just say, a four-year-old leaves at 11 o'clock in the morning for the whole day, but would make his own way to Granny's for dinner. It's that thing, though, where it's it's a time thing, though, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Like, that wouldn't like that just isn't weird to people back then whereas no. like now you see anyone like small outside and you're just like oh they shouldn't be outside whereas back then it was literally like they've got legs 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. which is just wild mm-hmm. to think about it. Absolutely. However, when he had not returned by tea time, his mother went round to his grandmother's, you know, because she's kind of like, oh, well, I better go get him, only to discover that he had not visited her that day. So news of Tommy's disappearance soon roused the neighbourhood to action and search everywhere. So they began to search along with the borough police. Like any time a child goes missing. The whole community, they come up in arms and they search for whoever it is, you know? Back yeah, I feel like that's the thing that's now. just happened. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's the thing that just has always happened. Like, you back in the day, but even, yeah, as you said, now. Like, it's just a thing a child's missing and it's like automatically all the, like, people go out and look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a story that he had been seen at about 5pm in the company of two other boys down Slateland Road led the police to suspect that he had fallen into the Turnling Brook and been swept away. Now, the brook was in spate due to heavy rains and the melting of a big snowfall a night beforehand. A fortnight beforehand, sorry. Okay. Now, obviously, this is a river, so you're going to get swept away, a wee four-year-old boy, you know? You're not going to be able to find him. Yeah, like you said it. <laughs> now, on the Tuesday, a bloodhound was employed in the search, and the dog followed a scent along the bank of the brook for some distance, only to stop and sniff the air. So he could not get any scent of the wee boy. The Turnley and Glossop brooks were dragged, mm. but all to no avail. So they could not find a thing belonging to Tommy at all. Now, each mm. day, search parties with dogs scoured the area without success. On Saturday, the 10th of March, Burroughs had been assisting the police and had given a statement in writing to Inspector Chadwick, whom he met in the street. This statement supported... God, show... is this going to be this annoyance? Oh, I already know what's going to annoy me, can you? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Oh, I killed him, but I'm going to pretend and I'm going to be your best friend and help find this yeah, boy. Yeah, I like, I was like, how has this got anything to do with the story? But now I'm like, oh, he's going to be one of those annoying people that's like, I'm helping with the inquiry. And then it's like, oh, he did it. Yeah, exactly. So his statement said that the lad had been seen by Burroughs near the bottom of Slateland's Road with two older boys. Burroughs had asked Tommy to come home with him, but he had refused. The statement also mentioned a purse belonging to Tommy, which the boys had thrown into some hen pens and a whip, which was described in detail. Right. Now, why this wee boy was carrying a purse and a whip? Who knows? No. Mm-hmm. Now, the police, thankfully, they were quite sceptical, and Inspector Chadwick continued with his investigations. The purse had been recovered from the hen pen, and during the search of the Turnling Brook, a whip, exactly like the one described by Burroughs, had been found. Now, when this whip was spotted by the police, Inspector Chadwick arranged for the public to be diverted while it was recovered. Now, it had been fastened to a stone to stop it being carried away in the pressure of the river, and the inspector was convinced that it had been planted there. So, this is a smart guy. Now, on the bank close by, the print of a rubber boot was found, and inquiries revealed that Burroughs had borrowed a pair of waders 
from a neighbor. Hmm. I wonder who it could be. Now, as a result of these inquiries and information supplied by witnesses, Burroughs was again interviewed by police on Monday the 12th. A woman had seen a man and a small boy clambering over the shale, the shale heaps near Colpit House on Sunday the 4th of March, 1923. And a farm worker with a horse had seen and spoken to Burroughs at Bridgefield at 11.30am on the same day and he had a little boy with him. So Burroughs, he's not very good at this whole covering things up. Yeah, he's like, but he's also been seen. <laughs> so like, well, I suppose he said he told the... I don't know. Yeah. Now Bur- Burroughs volunteered a statement that at about 11 o'clock on Sunday, the 4th of March, he took the boy for a walk through the fields to Simmondley and while on the moss near Har- Hargate Hill, he left the boy in a hollow while he went to catch a rabbit. When he returned, the boy was missing. He returned to Glossop by, by Hargate Hill Fields and Simmondley Lanes. Like, if the boy was missing that you were taking a walk, you'd go find him, surely. Yeah, you'd or you'd say to somebody, like, you'd find out who he was. Or you'd maybe say, look, by the way, I was on this walk with this wee boy, trying to get him somewhere safe. And this happened, just to let you know, that's <laughs> the last place he was seen. Yeah. But, oh, this guy's a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Now, this information led the police to search a, dis- a disused air shaft on the top side of the road from Simmondley to Charlesworth. This shaft was only fenced with wooden palings so anyone could easily have crawled through and fallen into the depths, especially a small boy. Now, grappling irons were used for some time, but the rope gave way. The irons dropped to the bottom of the shaft and work had to be suspended for the day. So they had to put the search on, on hold. This shaft was over 100 feet deep and estimated to contain from 5 to 9 feet of water. There was an outlet from the water into old workings, but insufficient flow to carry a body far from the shaft. So if he was going to be in here, he wouldn't be far away. Yeah, OK, OK. Now, Inspector Chadwick noted that Burroughs, while apparently helping the investigation, had consistently tried to point the police in the wrong direction. There was the deliberate planted whip, the story about the boy being seen later in the day with the two other older boys, and his insistence that the lad could not have crossed High Lane. So it's that kind of helping, but like, that's not well I don't know if it's common maybe we just don't hear about it in the cases we do but he's like helping but like doing it for himself does that make sense like he's like oh look like I'll help you look this way and they're all like no and he's like oh dear yeah exactly he's yeah exactly what you said he's putting trying to put the scent off of him but he's kind of just making it all which I feel like if you're helping the police you just kind of go along with what they say because they're the police like if I was helping with a missing child I wouldn't be like why don't we check here to the police who are the police (laughs) yeah exactly exactly now by coincidence while interviewing a man at Hargate Hill the inspector had caused to pass the air shaft of the dinting pit which was on the opposite side of the road to the other shaft that they've previously been searching so the one they had to put on hold Now, this shaft was surrounded by a stone wall and he had noted that the wall had been disturbed on the side nearest to Hargate Hill Farm. Now, on Tuesday, 
there was obviously quite a dramatic ending to this whole search. Yeah. That that morning, the police left the police station, as they do, equipped with fresh grappling irons, planks and ropes. On searching the area, they drove past the shaft, searched the previous day, so the one just across the field, and went instead to the air shaft on the other side. Meanwhile, Inspector Chadwick had arranged for Burroughs' movements to be watched and reported to him. Because he's a smart guy. Now, while the police were working at that air shaft, Burroughs was walking up a lane nearby and got into conversation with some men who told him that the pit on the lower side of the road was being searched. Now, on receiving this oh, he'll be information, mm-hmm, he'll be like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> um, he became agitated and instead of continuing up the lane, he went through the fields until he was in a position to watch the search from a hiding place. Oh, that's going to look worse if he's seen. <laughs> exactly. It's like, come on, man, just keep walking up the lane and pretend there's nothing that you've done. Yeah, like, I'm not going to be like, advice for serial killers or advice for murderers, but the best thing to <laughs> yeah. do is act stupid. Don't <laughs> yeah. be like, oh my goodness, just like, what? Oh, that's good. <laughs> So from a platform of planks across the top of the pit, grappling irons were used until the body of a small boy was brought to the surface. It was identified as Tommy Wood and the tiny body was taken to the mortuary at the police station. Now, obviously, this search had aroused tremendous interest and a large crowd had gathered to watch. Inspector Chadwick knew that Burroughs was watching from the moor above and the police were instructed to arrest him. An angry crowd of civilians set off after him up the moor and a desperate chase ensued with Burroughs being spotted from time to time. Do you think grassed him in? Oh, 100%. Or something like that detective was just on it the whole time? Yeah, well, mind he, he was getting followed. He told them to get yeah, like followed. Yeah. So he was in on it. And then also, I think, right, okay. you know, back then, news okay. travels really fast. Now... They were, like, chasing him all the way around the moor. He was spotted from time to time as he headed towards Chunnel, which I'm guessing is just another bit on the moor. But he obviously had quite a good head start because he was away from the whole hustle and bustle. But he knew, look, I'm going to get caught because... Yeah, I feel like a lot of people go on the run because it's like, where are you going? Mm -hmm. And there was a crowd behind him and then a huge other crowd came from the side of him, everywhere. People were raging. They were going after him. He was just not going well. Now, newspaper accounts of the chase over the moors and above the pit to where Burroughs was eventually captured in a field by these civilians. The civilians? (laughs) They caught him because he was exhausted, hiding under a holly bush. He was then secured by the civilians who promptly handed him into the custody of the police. But witnesses have said that Burroughs was pleading for mercy and that they literally showed him no mercy because they were saying that, well, little Tommy Woods had no mercy, so you're getting none. So they were beating him, they were threatening him, they were hitting him with sticks, they were kicking him. They had tied a scarf around his neck. They were, like, ready to properly just kill him, you know? Yeah, wow. They were like, we are going to be hanging you. However, 
obviously the police took over and yeah he was quite roughly handled but the police took him away now the whole route to the police station again was lined with a mob they were booing they were hissing they were vowing vengeance and burrows apparently just reacted by shaking his hands at the mob and shouting i shan't tremble on the scaffold like charlie peace which i was like what oh so i googled and charlie peace is apparently another murderer from like the 1800s who was hanged but i'm like well maybe it's a different charlie peace who knows just a weird thing to say now obviously the news of the discovery of tommy woods's body and the capture of burrows spread through the town like wildfire you know to the fact that even like housewives had left like practically everything on in their house and like ran out to see the prisoner to catch him getting driven past you know this was like he was having no mercy at all people were coming out their house screaming at him all the way to the police station wow he was obviously taken into the police station doors firmly closed they were like look we cannot take this from the public we need to actually you know find out if he actually did it because this is all hearsay obviously we know he did it but like you might not have yeah now whilst in the police station inspector chadwick asked burroughs how hannah was doing so he was like oh holy shit this is an unexpected question so he was just saying everything that he said to all his neighbours back in the past, saying, oh, yeah, she, no, she was fine. We keep in contact, you know, I'm, I'm right to her and things. And he also said that she would come by train and make her way to Simmondley, where young Albert would play with Tommy Woods. Like, oh. what? So he's saying, oh, yeah, no, my wife gets the train from Manchester, comes here. And my little boy plays with the boy that you've just found murdered. Now, obviously, this is a very unlikely story and it kind of confirmed everything to Inspector Chadwick. And he was like, "Okay, I'm going to just make a few inquiries and find find out where actually Hannah and her children are. You know, we'll make some proper discoveries here. Now... Shortly before 10 o'clock on the Wednesday morning, Burroughs was brought to the town hall in a taxi from the police station. Again, huge crowd had gathered and seeing the sight of the prisoner, they like surged forward. They were like going after him. They were like trying to kill this man again. Burroughs left the taxi. He was handcuffed to two members of the police. And loads of attempts were made to strike him. But thankfully... Well, not thankfully, but like, you know, he got in the courtroom. He was fine. Mm -hmm. Now, when the doors to the courtroom opened to the public, obviously they swarmed in. They were like, we need to watch this. And Burroughs was seated behind the dock between these two police officers. Nobody could reach him. And this is when the trial took place. Okay. Burroughs was described by the press as a big framed man with head rather bold at the front and a little grey hair over the ears, and an iron grey moustache. So that's to give you a look of this guy who managed to marry two women. Now, stories about Burroughs have made him out to be a man so powerful that the police were afraid of him, and apparently he was irresistible to women. 
Now, all my research, mm. I've not read any of this information. And I really don't see how. I think he was kind of like your typical, not murderer, but you know, your typical person. He's good with people or, you know, he's kind of, he can, he has a way with words to make yeah. you believe anything. Now, from the moment of his arrest, Burroughs insisted that his true age was 62. And you're thinking, why on earth are you insisting this? At least insist that you're not guilty. But no, there's a reason for that, and I'll tell you in a minute. When he was in the um, the court, it was a it was reported, and he was asked that the prisoner to be remanded in custody until the following Wednesday at ten thirty. So he had to be remanded in custody for another week until the other the main trial took place. So the mayor agreed, and an inquest on the boy's body started. At around 10.45 in the same room. Wow. Now, during the inquest, Burroughs got up and said, About that shaft higher up, where I took the police, where I saw the boy safe, the top shaft had no fence round it. There's a wagon road between the top and bottom shaft and water flows from one to the other. Anything falling down the, falling down the first goes to the second. I have a clear conscience. So this was his attempt to suggest that the boy had fallen down the shaft that he had saw him at. Then he must have got swept with the water to the next shaft where his actual body was found. Okay. So he's now blaming the whole thing on this boy falling in. This has got nothing to do with him. (laughs) Now, again, obviously the public were still raging. So to avoid a whole scene, he was taken out the back. And so no one was able to get to him. At the town hall the following week, the the pathologist gave evidence that Tommy Wood had been sexually abused before being thrown into the air shaft. So again, this falsifies the whole thing that Burroughs was saying. Mm -hmm. Oh, he must have fallen in. Like, no. Now, obviously, nothing much else could have been said to increase the public anger. But once they heard that, they were even more angry. They were out to get blood. So now, the reason for Burroughs saying that he was at least 62, he would be able to say in court that a man of 62 was was incapable of such an act. Hmm. So he was saying, well, clearly I can't do that. I'm 62 years old. Yeah. But Burroughs was sent to Derby for trial on a charge of murder. Now, by this stage, the news of the murder of Tommy Wood had reached a wider audience. So this was going out all around the country. The field around the air shaft became such a mud bath because visitors started to throw stones off the wall surrounding the shaft into the bottom. So I don't know whether they were trying to pay respects or what, but this was causing quite a lot of problems for the police. Now, Burroughs was due to appear at the Derbyshire, or Derbyshire, sorry, Assizes, early in July. Mm-hmm. And before then, the police had to find out if Hara and her children were still alive. Because if not, where are they? And is Burroughs behind it? Now, Inspector Chadwick managed to locate Elizabeth, which is the sister of Hannah. 
She obviously supplied loads of information, including the fact that she had received cards from Burroughs, but none from Hannah. Hannah? (laughs) None from Hannah since she disappeared. And that was three years ago. Inquiries with Seymour Meads established that Hannah was not working for them and never had. Once Hannah's parents came to Glossop to see their daughter, but Burroughs told them that he had given her £3 to take the children to New Brighton and escorted the couple back to the station. So her parents have come to visit her and he was like, oh no, she's gone. What the police did with that information? On the 7th of May, the police rigged up a tripod over the shaft that they had found Tommy Wood's body in and for some days the police were searching it. They were having to take water out of this shaft they were searching and searching and searching they lowered a rope down to the bottom and they found the skeletons of hannah and the two children so he they had found the skeletons of these three people but they also found women's boots child's clogs and stockings and foot bones protruding from these shoes now The body was identified to be Hannah and the two children quite early on. They managed to put that in. And the clothing was recognised by Elizabeth, her sister. So that was where they were like, well, this had to be Burroughs. Now, the trial of Albert Edward Burroughs for the murder of Hannah, aged 32, and her 15-month-old son, Albert Edward Burroughs, was held at the Derbyshire Assassins commencing on the 8th of July, 1923. Now, the evidence against Burroughs overwhelmed thanks to Inspector Chadwick's investigations because he was practically on the ball the whole time. And Mm -hmm. the jury took only 11 minutes to bring in a verdict of guilty. So, Mr Justice Shearman, who was doing the trial, put on the black cap and pronounced the death sentence, ending with the words... And may the Lord have mercy on your soul. Which I'm guessing he must have said to all of the folk he sentenced to death. So he was hanged at Bangthorpe Jail in Nottingham on the 8th of August 1923 at 8am. And the remains of Hannah and her children were buried in the free free ground at Glossop Cemetery. And the grave was marked with a wooden cross. And that's the story of... Albert Burroughs. That was good. Thank you. Thanks. That was actually a lot better than you at first thought it was <laughs> going to be. Than you normally do, Samantha. Thank yeah, that was much. maybe your best. No, no, it was, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was a different one. No, that one. was good. Yeah, wild. Yeah. That was a wild one. I would love to know if anyone's actually heard of it before this. Yeah, me too, because sometimes I just search these sites and be like, oh, they've had more than one victim. I'll choose them. Yeah. So let us know. Please give yeah. us some um tell yes. tell me who to do. Because yeah, can we get some recommendations in for Samantha, please. Thank you. That'd be really appreciated. Thank you. <laughs>